Amen. 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 How's everybody doing today? Good. Super excited. Uh, God's going to be doing some good things today, I can tell. Um, just simply by the Holy Spirit that was here this morning. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I want to take a moment and welcome for the first time Mr. and Mrs. Troy and Maria Anastasio. Yeah, they got married on Friday. Yeah, we're super excited. Yay. So if you guys haven't met Troy and Maria, they're over here on this side. There they are. Got married on Friday, so they're here today. Give them some congratulations. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, we're uh, in a new sermon series here, Be the Church. Be the church. And so what I want to impress upon you is that we all need to be the church. Can't make it any more simple, guys. I believe in simplicity. <laughs> right? I believe in simplicity. Let's make it simple. I believe that the Bible is written in such a way that even, even the most simple person can understand it. I know that from time to time I'll get up here and I'll, I'll quote the Hebrew, I'll quote the Greek, I'll... I'll go into the lexicon definitions and all of this stuff, and that's great, but I believe that it is written in such a way that the, mo the most simple mind can understand this word. And so what I, what I endeavor to do in everything that we bring is bring the simplest message possible. And so as I bring this message over the next few weeks, the point here is that we all should be the church. Be the church be the church. The church is not a building. I mean, this is a building. It's called church. But the church is the people. The church is you. You are the church. The church is the body of believers. It's not, the, it's not this structure. I mean, that's fine. But the, the church, when we're referring to it in the word, the church is the people. It's the people. It's the people. The church is you. The church is you. The church is you. You are the church. You are the church. You are the church. I'm being repetitive here for a very good reason. You are the church. We are the church. You're the church. I'm the church. You're the church. We're the church. Together, collectively, we're the church. We're a body of believers. And so this is what we're talking about. And so now that we know that we are the church, what does it mean to be the church? I have this identity that I didn't know about. I am the church. And so if I am part of the church and if I help to make up the church, what does that even mean? What do I do because of that? And so this is what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. We have, an, we have a uh, vision here to engage God, to engage church, and to engage culture. We believe strongly that uh, we should engage with God on a deep and an intimate and a personal level. We should come to know him more. We believe that we should engage with one another here at church, engage with the body of believers. That's engaged church. And we also believe that we should go outside of these four walls and engage with culture outside of these four walls so that we might be able to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, that we might be able to influence the world around us with the power of God. There's something very interesting that I've noticed over, my, over the past 30 years that I've been saved. There are thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of books on engaging God. There's thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of books on this aspect of engaging God in a better way. 
You guys all have your favorite, I'm sure. Like we, we could list them for the next, all the rest of the service, and we'd just list books all about after God's own heart, knowledge of the holy. I could just go on and on all day. There are lots and lots of books about how to preach the gospel, about how to do evangelism, how to better do evangelism. These books, there's, there's again, there's thousands and thousands and thousands. Walk across the room, this one and that one. You know what we're kind of lacking on? We're kind of lacking on some of the books where it's engaged church. We're, talk, we're lacking a little bit on some of the books about how we do church. How do we, what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to, what there's few out there. I'm not saying that there's not any. There's a couple, but there's not a lot. And so we spend a lot of time on engaging God, and we should. And we spend a lot of time on engaging culture, and we should. But we need to spend a little bit more time on engaging church. And so that's what this whole sermon series is about. Today I want to talk to you about healthy church. Healthy church. Signs of a healthy church. What does a healthy church look like? What does a healthy church do? And so today we're going to talk about healthy church. So we're just going to jump right in. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says this. And we'll go right back to the beginning, very first day that the church was born. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, who were all? The apostles and the 120 believers, 80 or 120 believers. They were all gathered in the upper room. They were with one accord and in one place. So there was unity. There was unity. When it says that there was one accord, it means that there was unity. They were of like purpose. They had the same purpose in mind. They had the same goal in mind. They got together and they said, hey, we're here to do one thing, and we're here to do one thing alone. We're here to engage God, engage church, and engage culture. That's our mission. That's our plan. That's our purpose. Obviously, they didn't use those words. They used different words. But these are the words that we use here. We're going to engage God, we're going to engage church, and we're going to engage culture. And so they had unity. They were of one accord. And they were in one place. They were in one place. They all got together. You know, I love online church. I love the fact that we have online church. I love the fact that you can watch when you're sick or when you're at home or when you're away or any of these times. Or you can go back and watch past uh, videos. That's great. But there is something that happens. There's a dynamic that you can't get other than by being in the room. Yes, the Holy Spirit is there with you while you're listening online, but there's something special that happens here in the room. God created us as human beings to be in contact with one another. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. How many of you know that that's not a comfortable scripture? How does iron sharpen iron? With clashing and banging and forcefulness. And we knock pieces of steel off of one another. Ah! <laughs> God designed it this way. We're supposed to get around one another. People are supposed to annoy you. <laughs> Until they don't anymore. Until they don't anymore. This is God's plan from the beginning. He takes a man, he takes a woman... That's kind of opposites. And he puts them together and he's like, here, live with one another. Gabriel, watch, this will be fun. <laughs> Why? So that we can grow, so that we can mature, so that we can, so that we can grow our love quotient, so that we can come to a place of understanding. 
When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord and they were in one place. They were in unity and they were together. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing, rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Holy Spirit came. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. And as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There was power. And so the things that we know that we need that we can work on are unity and togetherness. Unity and togetherness. Those things are things that we can help. Those are things that we can make a difference in. We can say, where am I not helping to bring unity to the body? Where am I not helping to be together with what Redeeming Love wants to do? Am I, am I showing up for Holy Spirit Encounter Night? Am I learning what it means to flow in the Holy Spirit? Am I signed up for an engaged group? They're come, engaged group signups are coming on the 17th. Next Sunday, we'll have the, the sheets out. Uh, am I in an engaged group? Am I, am I partaking and participating in what the church is doing? This is how we come to unity. Am I behind the vision here? Then God does his part. He pours out the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes with power. We've seen the Holy Spirit poured out here time and time again. Just this past Wednesday, we had Holy Spirit encounter night, prayed for someone's back, their back was healed. So prayed for somebody else's back, that back felt better. It wasn't completely healed, but felt better. And so God's healing power is on display here time and time and time again. Jumping down to verse 40. Right? So Acts 1, 4, we love to quote some of these scriptures. But there's some keys here about how the church should behave. And so what, I'm, what we're going after here is not everything that we need to do with the church, but what a healthy church looks like. Verse 40, and with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this per perverse generation. So he was preaching the word. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to the church. How many were there? There was like 80, 120. And then how many got added? 3,000 souls. Can you imagine what, happened, what would happen if God added 3,000 souls to this church? We'd have a whole lot of fun. We'd have a whole lot of fun trying to figure that out. I welcome the challenge, Jesus. Come on, Holy Spirit, do it. Then those who received his word were baptized. They became part of the church. That day, 3,000 were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So they got into a Bible study. They started to learn what the church was all about. They started to learn what Peter and John and all of these guys believed. They, they said, okay, what is this doctrine that you guys are talking about? What are these words that you're saying? What are these things that you're talking about, about Jesus, about the Messiah, about the power of the Holy Spirit? Tell me more. I want to know. In the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Are we fellowshipping with one another? When was the last time you fellowshiped with somebody? Fellowship's not socializing. You can get together and talk about the weather, you haven't fellowshiped. You can get together and talk about the kids, but you haven't fellowshiped yet. You can get together and talk about the government, and you haven't fellowshiped yet. <laughs> Fellowship is when we get together and we're talking about spiritual things. It's, it's socializing over spiritual matters. You can talk about the kids, but talk about how God wants you to raise your kids. Talk about what God's doing in the life of your kids. Talk about what the Bible says about raising your kids. Now you're, now you're into fellowship. 
We can talk, we can get together and we can complain about what the news might tell us. And we haven't fellowshiped yet. We're just complaining. But when we start to talk about what God's plan is and what God can do and what God has in store, now we're, now we're fellowshipping. For every problem in the world that exists today, Jesus already has the solution. There is not a problem in the world that Jesus doesn't have the solution to. What we lack is somebody that's able to go to the throne of God and say, God, I want the solution. God, I'm the person who will bring the solution. God, bring the solution through me. Have we positioned ourselves in this place where we're, we're able to meet the problem and say, God, I'm the one who can bring the solution. Bring the solution through me. I'm a vessel. God, use me. Use me. Fellowship, breaking of bread, communion and shared meals. Communion and shared meals. Breaking of bread with one another. Just... There is something that is exchanged over a meal that's not exchanged otherwise. You can sit, you can, um, we can stand around, have conversations. You know, we love to do this with our coffee. We can get together and we can talk. But when we sit down at a table together, there's something deeper that's exchanged. We come before this place. We pray for the Holy Spirit to come and meet us there. And he does. And something extraordinary is exchanged over a meal as we partake one with another. Jesus said to his disciples as they sat down for the Last Supper, he said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you. According to scripture, he's had probably three, well, this would be the third Passover meal that he's eaten with his disciples. But he said this Passover meal, this third Passover meal. I've eagerly desired to eat this meal with you. And then as we read in John from chapter 14 all the way through chapter 20, six chapters of the gospel of John, Jesus is sharing with them over the last supper. A third of the, a third of the gospel of John, John dedicates to just one meal that Jesus had with them. This meal I have eagerly desired to eat with you. It wasn't about the food. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the bread that was on the table. It had nothing to do with the lamb. It had nothing to do with any of that. It had nothing to do with the olives that were there. These are good olives. What's recorded in Scripture is the conversation that happened. There was conversation there. There was an impartation that Jesus left. Just to, just to throw out a couple of things that Jesus said. He said, in this, in this context of this conversation, this one single conversation, he said, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give peace, but I give you my peace and it will last. He says, I give you my joy that your joy might be complete. Hold up. He's going to give me his joy, and then he's going to call it my joy so that I can have joy. Amen. Just a couple of the scriptures that he shared. He said, he said, I have to go away. It's to your advantage that I go. Because if I don't go, the helper can't come. Good stuff. 
in breaking of bread and in prayers. And so we're supposed to pray together. One of the things that a healthy church does is we pray together. And so we have prayers here on uh, Wednesday morning. Linda leads a prayer meeting. We pray uh, at all of our small groups. We pray here often on a Sunday. We pray together all the time. Prayer is, a, prayer is part of everything we do. And so if you're part of the church, you're going to be part of the prayers of the church. And so get in on this. Get in on it. And uh, one of the other things that I want to highlight right here is we have this section on our Engage card. It's called Prayer and Praises. And so if you have a prayer need, put your prayers down. And we will pray for them. We have an elder team here that uh, gets these prayer requests that you write down. They're kept confidential so nobody else finds out about them. But we pray for you guys. We pray for every need that's on here multiple times a week. You guys tell me to pray for something afterwards. You think, I'm going to tell Pastor Matt verbally, and it's going to be better. And what's going to happen is I'll forget because a lot of people tell me a lot of things. But if it's written down, I'm going to read that because I read these every week. And I pray for these every week. I may remember prayers, the prayers, the prayers. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul. Fear as in the sense of reverential awe. They weren't afraid like, ah. The fear, reverential awe. Oh, I don't still want to say anything to mess this up. God, I'm so in awe of your Holy Spirit. I don't want to do anything to mess up what's going on here. God, you're moving in such a way. We've seen, we're seeing healings. We're seeing miracles. We're seeing signs. We're seeing wonders. God, I don't want to do anything to get in the way of what you're doing. Keep moving, God. Keep moving, God. Keep moving, God. God, I don't want to ever, God, I don't want to, I want to, I want to be so careful in how I walk around the ark. I want to do everything with, with intended purpose. I want to do everything that I do with the dove in mind. I want to do everything that I do because I don't want to, I don't want to mess up what God's doing. My only, my only job here, guys, I mean, I know I, I get to talk to you every Sunday. My only job here is to not mess up what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's doing something, and we're just going to keep encouraging him, and we're going to get out of the way. Reverential awe. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Power. We're seeing it. Now all who believed were together and they had all things in common. Again, they were together. They came together. There's a togetherness. They had all things in common and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so there's a great sense of generosity here. They shared with anyone who had need. Not anyone who had want. I mean, I have wants. Somebody could meet my wants, but I, those aren't my needs. And so we meet the needs of everyone that has a need. Verse 46, and so continuing daily with one accord, here comes the unity again, guys. Continuing every single day with unity in the temple. Again, they're together. Unity, together. Unity, being together. Unity, and come together. Unity, and come together. How many times have we repeated this already? So continuing daily with one accord and in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. And so here we go. They're sharing meals again. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They were glad. They were happy. How many of you know that you have to practice the habit of happiness? You have to practice being happy. You can either... Be grumpy and sad and upset, or you can be happy. You can be glad. You can be joyful. And it really does come down to a choice. 
And I know that that can sound like, well, how do you do that? James 1, 2 says, consider it pure joy when you fall into various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Consider it. Trials are going to come. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. It's a guarantee. I'm sorry to say, you know, when you come to Christ, it's not all um, roses and teacups. I mean, it's, it's the greatest thing that will ever happen to you. And you will have joy, inexpressible joy, if you allow it in your life. But just accepting Jesus doesn't eliminate trials from your life. My tire still goes flat on my car. <laughs> we were driving home in the rain on Friday, or was it, we got in the car on Friday to come to the wedding, and the tire pressure gauge comes on in the car. My tire pressure is low. Not flat tire, but it's low. It goes down five pounds, and the light comes on. And so it's pouring rain. I'm like, okay, I, I see that it's low. It's not too low. We're going to drive. We'll get to the wedding. Got here. And then we're driving home that night after the wedding. I, I don't know if you guys remember Friday night, but it was torrential. And I'm like, I'm not going to put air in my tire in the pouring rain. I will be soaked. <laughs> and so I'm thinking to myself, I'll do it in the morning. Well, I had to get up and be at a meeting for 7 o'clock. So that meant I had to get up extra early to put air in the tire. These are just the simple trials of life. Consider pure joy when you fall into various trials. Praise God, I get to get up early. <laughs> Extra early. So then I get there to the air station in the morning, and um, as I pull in, there's a, a lady that's pulling away from the little air pump, right? You go to Stuart's, they got free air. Anybody doesn't know that? Stuart's has free air. They don't charge you quarters for air. <laughs> Pull into shorts. There's a lady pulling away. I was like, sweet. So I pull right in, and I'm putting air in my tire. And the machine's running slow. Like, you know, sometimes they're really good. I always go to shorts because they have good air. <laughs> <laughs> the air compressor is normally in great working condition, and it's been this way for 20 years, guys. It normally, it almost always works, and it always works good. Well, this one was slow today. Consider it pure joy when you come into various trials. And so I'm putting air in my tire, and it's only down 10 pounds. And I'm like, OK, this won't take too long. And so as I'm pumping air into my tire, the lady who was in front of me comes back, and she says, hey, I can't get air in my tire. Can you put air in my tire for me? I had to get up early in the morning because I didn't want to do it last night because it was raining. There's flat tire. The machine's not working quickly. I got to be to the diner for 7, and now I got to absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Consider it pure joy. Absolutely. Kindness. Kill him with kindness. Just be kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. Are we kind? What does it cost you to be kind? Listen, I was meeting a few guys there. They would have completely understood if I said, hey, I was a few minutes late because I had to put air in some lady's tire. We were on our way here this morning, and we're coming down 9. And as we're coming down, I said, look, I said, is that car in the ditch? And sure enough, the car was in the ditch. And so... As we're driving by, my wife says, is, I think there's a person still in the car. And so I whip around. This must have just happened. And so I pull up behind the car, and I get out, and, I, and I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, she's on the phone with AAA. There was no real damage to her car, but she was down in the ditch to such a way that I wasn't going to help get her out. But she was fine. She was okay. I just made sure she was all right. And then I got back in the car, and I came. So if I had to stay there, you guys would have all been all right if I came in late. Yeah, you guys have forgiveness for me. <laughs> I'm speaking those things that be not as they are in some cases. I'm speaking those things that be not as though they are in some cases. You have forgiveness for me. 
I'll prophesy over you. <laughs> Forgiveness in Jesus' name. I forgot where I was in the story. So the trials come. I still had a flat tire. There's somebody still asking me to do something that I didn't want to do. I, I, kindness, kill them with kindness. But it's a choice. I could be upset over the fact that my tire keeps going flat. They're, they're old tires. I check the tire. I don't see any screw or anything. It's fine. We, we have to get new tires anyway, so I'm, I'm letting it go. It doesn't get real flat. Again, it's not unsafe. <laughs> be fine. I got to get new tires in a couple, probably within the next two months. So I'm letting them go so that I can just get new tires. I don't have to get reset or new valve, whatever it's going to be. Because I only have to fill it up once a month. But it's always when it's raining. <laughs> Joy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just choose to be happy. And I don't say this flippantly. Um, this is something that I walked through for a period of five years. I was in a five-year trial to teach me to consider it pure joy when you come into various trials. The trial lasted five years. And in the midst of it, God showed me this scripture, James 1 2, consider it pure joy. And at first, I didn't know what the heck to do with that other than to do it by faith and faith alone. So something would happen that would want to make me mad, tires flat on a rainy day, and I'd just be like, joy. Lord, your word says that I'm supposed to consider this joy. Joy. Not, not feeling it. <laughs> Do it again. Here we go. Another trial. Joy. Then I go back to the word. What did that say? Maybe I read it wrong. <laughs> consider it pure joy when you come into various trials. Nope, I read it right. Consider it pure joy that when you come into various trials. For the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Oh, I get it. There's a purpose behind the trial. I see. Oh, I, oh, I see. There's a purpose behind the trial. That you might develop perseverance so that you may be mature and complete. Hey, I want to be mature. Hey, I want to grow up. Hey, I don't want to just drink the milk of the word for the rest of my life. I want to chew down on some of the meat. I want to be the mature. I want to be the weos sons of God. I'm willing to go through a few trials if it means that I get to be mature. I'm willing to go through a few things if it means that I get to be made more complete. Amen. NIV says perfect. So it's not flippantly. Gladness. They ate their food with gladness. Gladness came upon the whole, the whole tribe. When you get saved, I'm going to tell you something, guys. This, this, is prob this might be a little revelation for some of you. When you get saved, it's supposed to lead to joy. David said, restore unto me the, the joy of my salvation. Salvation is supposed to lead to joy. When it doesn't, when salvation doesn't lead to joy because we don't embrace the process, Embrace the process like Jesus embraced the cross. Embrace the process. When we don't, when salvation doesn't lead to joy because we don't embrace the process, we'll move into legalism. Because we think that we have to control it. We have to do it. It's what they talk about in Galatians where Paul says, have you turned back to the law to complete yourself? 
And salvation that doesn't turn into joy winds up going back to legalism. It winds up going back to the law. I'm not, say, I'm not here to say that we shouldn't do the law because Jesus said, I have come not to abolish the, the law, but to fulfill the law. He took something in the law that said you shouldn't murder. And he said, don't even say you fool to your brother. Don't even call one another names. All of us are going to get away probably through life without murdering one another. How many of us have already called someone a name in our life? How many of us called someone a name this morning on our way to church? One of those other drivers on the street? How is it that driving brings out the worst in us all the time? Because we're alone and nobody sees us there. Jesus sees you there. Holy Spirit's right there with you everywhere you go. Come on. Whoo, somebody's preaching now. What are we talking about? How did we get here? I was losing my train of thought all over the place. Kill them. All right. They ate their food with gladness and with simplicity of heart. You know, a lot of times we just make life more difficult than it needs to be. <laughs> simplicity of heart. Come on, guys. It's not that difficult. It's not that hard. <sighs> we have the best coffee shop in the world. Uh, bringing us coffee next week for Back to Church Sunday. <laughs> Tell you what, you go in there, you get good coffee, it's good, it's good atmosphere, Holy Spirit's in that place. People get healed in that restaurant. It's awesome. But they don't have one of those awesome restaurants, coffee shops in Clifton Park. So there's on occasion where I've had to go to other coffee shops. And so there's a coffee shop and it's got a white cup with a green label, and they'll rename, remain nameless. But you all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> and we went in there, and I ordered my coffee, and I waited 35 minutes for a coffee. Joy! Oh, yeah, no, I'm not that time. I'm still struggling, guys. It's still work in progress. Not joyful when I'm waiting 35 minutes, and I'm like, what in the world is it? I know my son can make a cup of coffee at that, on that machine in about 20 seconds. <laughs> and so, you know, we've decided we're just going to live a simpler life and we're not going to go to that store, right? We are not going to go there. We're not going to go there. We are not going to go there. So we're not going to go there. So it happened again this week that, you know, they're having a special and we got drawn in by the special and it happened to be in Clifton Park. And so... We'll mobile order. It'll be quicker. Oh, dear Lord. Your drink will be ready in four to six minutes. From the mobile order, right? In the app, it says your drink will be ready in four to six. Four to six. Four to six minutes. Yes, we did wait 46 minutes. <laughs> and then we canceled our order because it still hadn't come up and refunded our money. We're like, done. We're going to get real simple, guys. We're not going to go to places that annoy us. Yeah, it's stupid. Don't go there. Sorry. I said they would rename na remain nameless. You guys don't know what I'm talking about, so just don't go there. <laughs> Simple life. Get a coffee machine at home and make your coffee there. That's what we do all the time. <laughs> or just go to the best coffee shop on the planet. I could have driven from Clifton Park. I could have driven to Troy, got my coffee from the best coffee shop, Mocha Blend, and then gone back home. It would have been fine. You know what, what our thought was, was it's fall, PSLs are out, and we'll just try one from all the different places. Some of you guys are like, what's a PSL? <laughs> Pumpkin spice latte, yeah. 
Oh my God. <laughs> all right, all right. Simplicity. Just, you know, sometimes we have so many things that we just make our own life difficult. You know, I bought a boat this year. They say that the two best days in the life of a boat owner are the day that you buy the boat and the day that you sell the boat. I don't know what I was doing. We're going to have fun with it yet, I promise. <laughs> it's not being simple, but it's okay because it's a new trial and there's more joy there. As long as I'm willing to embrace it. The boat's been a lot of fun. I'm not, don't, don't get me down about my boat. <laughs> I only paid $200 for it. It was great. Uh, let's get back to scripture here. Just read the word. Come on. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Sometimes we read over that way too fast and we forget about just being happy. And sometimes we read over that way too fast and we forget about just simplifying things. You know, we recently moved, um, our, I, I've, why am I telling all these stories today? We recently moved <laughs> our bedroom, the kids moved out, we tore down a wall so that there's, you know, less rooms in the house so they can't move back. <laughs> That's not why. <laughs> they can all come back whenever they want. They're lovely, although they're not going to need to because God's blessings over their life. Took down our wall and refinished it, remade, remade the room, put new windows in. It's nice. It's beautiful. And then as we moved from our old room into our new room, we threw out a whole bunch of stuff. We went through our closet and we just threw stuff away, threw stuff away, threw stuff away. Got stuff, clothes that we hadn't worn. We filled that dumpster over there up. Or it's not a dumpster. Clothing deposit box. That's what it is. We filled that up, you know, put all everything. So get down, get less, 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 minimalist, right? When we were um, closing our business years ago, before we took over, when we were, as we were taking over the church, um, we, had, we had to close our business. And so as we were closing our business, I was going through all the different storage areas that we had stored stuff throughout the years. Um, and, you know, we were having a great big garage sale. And as we're doing this, I'm going through and I'm pulling stuff out that I had saved 30 years ago thinking, I'm going to use this. this I'm going to keep this. And here we are 30 years later, haven't used it. I forgot that it was here. I've actually gone out and I've bought this thing three times, <laughs> not knowing that this one was in storage. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I even doing? So now... When people, uh, something will be here at the church and something will be broken, you know, we, we had a, um, uh, a shredder, the old shredder, and so what are we going to do with the old shredder? And so I said, there's a, there's a blue storage container out that end of the building on the left, so if you could just put that in the blue storage container out that end of the building, that'd be fantastic. It's the dumpster. <laughs> we're not going to keep broken stuff, because we're going to simplify. We're not going to keep things around that we don't need. We're going to simplify, simplify, simplify. Simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Praising God. And so this is one of the activities of the church. This is what we do. This is why we're here. This is how we be the church. We praise God. We praise God. We will always praise God. We will continue to praise God. We will continue to thank God. We will continue to worship God. This is one of the things that we're here to do. We're going to lift up his holy name. We're going to exalt him on high. We're going to give God our best day after day after day. And we're going to live with a thankful heart. And we're going to thank God for everything that we have and everything that we're going to have. 
live with a thankful heart. If you only woke up tomorrow with what you thank God for, for today, what would you have tomorrow? Let's be more thankful. Let's be more thankful in everything that we do. Let's be more thankful in every day of our life. Having favor with all of the people. Now, this is something that God does. God puts favor on people. This isn't me. God puts favor on people. God puts favor on people when we are doing his will, when we are in unity, when we are, when we are engaging God, engaging church, and engaging culture, when we're performing the activities that the church is supposed to be doing. This is when favor comes upon the church. This is when we're able to do things that most people can't do simply because God showed up. Favor. All of a sudden, people are like, let me do this for you. Let me do that for you. Let me do this for you. Let me do that for you. Favor, 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 favor. I need this. It, it happens. It's favor. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. This is a sign of a healthy church. How do you know if you're in a healthy church? Healthy churches are growing churches. If you're in a healthy church, it's going to grow. If you want to be in a church that's not growing, you have to go find a church that's not healthy. Because we're focusing on being healthy here. We're a healthy church. And so healthy churches just grow. And so we haven't focused on growth. We're not focusing on adding people. What we're focusing on is being healthy. We're focusing on doing everything that God has called us to do. We're focusing on doing everything that God wants, everything that the word says that we should do. This is what we're focused on. And as we focus on those things, it's the Lord who adds to the church daily. Yes. Not, yes. I can't add anybody to the church no more than I could save anybody. But he tells me to go and preach. He tells me to go and tell people. He tells me to heal the sick. I can't heal anybody, but he tells me to do it. The Lord added, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a, man a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. If you're called to be a Christian, then you're called to the church. And so Paul is saying, Walk in a manner worthy of being part of the church. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling with humility. So can we be humble? Humble people don't think less of themselves. They think of themselves less. Right? I'm not, I'm not less confident because I'm humble. I just tend not to think about myself. When I walk in a room, I don't think about what people might think about me. I think about, is everybody here okay? Who can I help? with all humility and gentleness. When I walked up to the door of that car, I could see the woman was alert, and so I didn't pound on the window because I wouldn't want to startle her. I was just gentle. I'm like, hey, are you okay? Hey, and then, I, you know, she didn't hear me, obviously, because her window still rolled up, so I'm a little bit louder. Hey, are you okay? A little bit louder so that, you know, it's because I didn't, with gentleness, just be gentle. You can be gentle in everything that we do. Patience. Love is patient. Love is kind. Bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the peace. Keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Keeping the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I'm telling you right now that there's few things that I will fight for. I'll fight for unity. I'll fight for unity because it's so important. There's a, there's a, um, it's Psalm 133. It says, when uh, brethren who dwell together in unity, it's like the oil on the beard of Aaron upon the robe dripping down like the dew on Mount Hermon. 
it says where God commanded the blessing. He commanded it. He commanded it. When we dwell in unity, this is Psalm 133. You can go and read it later. When, when we dwell in unity, when we're in one accord and of one purpose, God commands a blessing. It's like he doesn't even want to bless the thing, but because we're all together and we're in one, he's like, no, I have to bless it. Uh, I, I know that, you know, Pastor Matt, you know, isn't as smart as the other pastor, but he, they're in unity over there. I have to bless them. I'm not saying that I'm not as smart. I'm just th throwing for instance out there. <laughs> That's right. I'm being humble. Thanks. There's a commanded blessing. There's a scripture that says, uh, it's in First Chronicles. I don't know. I think it's First or Second Chronicles. I don't know exact lo location. It says um, that God gave them a spirit of unity and they were able to do something incredible. But it was because God gave the spirit of unity that they all worked together. And so I pray for that here. I pray that we would be in a spirit of unity. I pray that unity would be our flag, that we would just rally behind, engage God, engage church, engage culture until the cows come home. I mean, literally until the entire city of Troy is saved. Because this is our plan. This is our motivation. This is our purpose. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. These are some uh, church scriptures, be the church scriptures that are just, we're probably going to read them every week. This one here. Uh, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, not forgetting to come to church, as is the habit of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So consider one another and exhort one another. And so here we go. Back to church Sunday next week, right? Exhort someone. Consider, so let's take a moment and consider one another. Look to your left, look to your right. Who's not here? Give them a call this week. Send them a text this week. Grab some of these uh, invite cards and invite them to church. Give them a phone call. Stop by at their house and see them if you know where they live. Get them here. Hey, you got to come to church next week. I'll save you a seat. I'll buy you a cup of coffee. I'll buy you a cup of the world's best coffee. Re Elf reference there. <laughs> One person. It's good. It's all right. I'm here all day. Invite someone to church. It's not hard. It, they say that it takes seven times of inviting someone to church before they'll come. You got family members that you want saved? Invite them to church. Next Sunday. It's going to be an awesome service. We're going to have coffee beforehand. It's going to be a free gift afterwards. And what? Coffee and lattes and pastries beforehand. Man, don't miss that. And a free gift afterwards. Invite your friends. Invite your family. Invite strangers. Invite neighbors. Who do you want to be saved? Who do you want to be in the kingdom of heaven with you when we, when we leave this earth? You want to get real? Who do you want to be in the kingdom of heaven with you? There's a scripture that I just can't get out of my spirit, and it's from Revelation where there's silence in heaven for a half an hour. And, you know, that's not a small thing. That's not a, we read through scripture sometimes too quick. Let's set the stage here for a moment. Let's just set the stage here for a moment. There's, um, there's worship going on in the throne room. 
and it's been going on forever and ever in the dateless past. And there's just constant. We pause, let me clarify. We pause longer in between songs here on a Sunday morning than there's been a pause of worship in heaven. It has never, ever, ever ended. It's just continuous. There is holy, ho- the, the four and 20 elders, the living creatures, and all of the saints in heaven, and all of these people, they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and now they're singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain, who was and is and is to come, holy, 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 and worthy, 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 holy, 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 and it goes on and 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 on, and it is never, ever, ever, ever ended. And so now we see there's the the portion of scripture where the scrolls are being opened and things are being said and things are being done and things are coming and things are happening and things are happening. And there's the worship is still going on. There's thunderings and lightnings going on around the throne because worship doesn't ever stop even though there's activity. And so there's still the worship. There's still the holy, 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 even as they're opening the scrolls. They're holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy. And they open the seventh seal and there's silence. For the first time ever. Seventh seal is where God has to pour out his wrath on the earth. Seventh seal is where God has to pour out his wrath on the ungodly. And he waits. And there's silence in heaven for half an hour. Because all the angels know what's supposed to happen now that the seventh seal is open. They actually have to stop their song because something something is supposed to happen and God's not doing it. He's not doing the one thing that he's supposed to do, to pour out his wrath on the ungodly. This is the mercy of our God. This is the grace of our God. Half an hour of silence in heaven, maybe just one more. Maybe just one more. I don't even know if it's possible, theologically. Who do you want to get saved? Invite them to church next week. Maybe they won't come. Maybe they will. Take a chance. What's the worst they're going to say? You're a fool. It's fine. That's fine. That, would, that wouldn't be the worst thing that I've ever been called. I'm going to keep inviting people to church. Never going to stop. I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. I'm never going to stop. I'm going to keep inspiring people to believe in God. I'm never going to stop. I, I am past having doubts. I've made up my mind. I am like those who it's written of in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, uh, 11, the, the walk, of, the, the, the walk of, of faith, the hall of fame of faith. It says, these not having received the promises, died not having received the promises, believing that they would, uh, that, that they would see something better. I just believe. I don't know. I, I know I, I know that I know, and I'm just, I've fixed myself. We will see the city of Troy saved. I believe it's going to be in my lifetime. I actually have faith for this now. I believe that we're about nine or ten years away. Come on. But we're going to see it saved. It's just a matter of time. Maybe it'll be in my lifetime. Maybe it won't, but I will not change my position. We'll see the city of Troy saved. Who will you invite to church this week? Sometimes you can preach the gospel, and sometimes you need to share scriptures, and sometimes you need to lead somebody to the Lord. Sometimes you just need to invite them to church. Hey, come on to church. Come to church with me. Galatians 6.1. 
Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. There's that word again. Gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And so, who's missing, right? Who haven't we seen? Who's been away from the Lord for a while? Invite them to church next Sunday. And so we're kicking off this campaign, Be the Church, Back to Church Sundays next week. This is a national event, so we're happy to jump on board with that. Um, but really, it's about, you know, hey, we're all getting back into routine. Kids are going back to school. People are back in college. And so now that things have settled down a little bit, let's, let's all get back to church too, right? Let's get back to doing this, and let's do it well. And so invite people next week, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, meanwhile, there's a few things um, that have come up. So there's a few um, words of knowledge today that I want to pray for. Um, let's have someone come up and get on the piano. Um, well, I want to pray for a few people. And so as you come up, get that ready. Um, I just want to ask if there's anybody here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want to make that opportunity here for you today. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to make an opportunity for you to start that relationship today. See, uh, the problem that we have between us and God before we become a Christian is that there's sin in our life, and sin separates us from God. But Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for mine. And so as Jesus died on the cross, his blood was poured out for your sin and for mine. His blood washes away our sin so that we can have right relationship with God once again. He restores right relationship with God because of the removal of sin. His salvation provided for the healing of my body and for the deliverance of my soul. And so it's all three. And so I want to invite you into that today. If you don't know Jesus and you want to, I'm going to ask you to just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. Come and live inside my heart. Help me to live for you all of the days of my life. God, I believe that, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God, that you lived a sinless life, that you died on the cross for me, you suffered, died, and were buried. Three days later, you rose again, and you are seated at the right hand. You died for me so that I could have a relationship with you and the Father and the Holy Spirit, that you would heal my body, deliver me from oppression, and when it's time for me to die, I'll go to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm going to ask you to check the box that says, follow Jesus as Lord and Savior for the first time. Check that box. I'm going to send you some information that better explains what it means to have this relationship with Christ and what your next steps are. Your first most important next step is to find a great church. If you like it here, we'd love to have you here. If you don't like it here, we'll find you another church. Uh, we'd love to help you do that. Check that box couple words of knowledge that came today. So I'm going to call the healing team up right now. Healing team, if you could just jump right up and, and, and get up underneath those screens. There's three uh, individual um, words of knowledge. The first was left elbow. Does anybody have pain in their left elbow? Pain in their left elbow that they need healed? Right here. Anybody else? Sometimes words of knowledge are for more than one. God knew. Word of knowledge. Anybody else? Left elbow. You guys can start praying. Go right ahead. 
Uh, next one is kidney infection. We got anybody in here with a kidney infection? Kidney infection? Come on, don't be ashamed. God doesn't, God doesn't share words of knowledge like this. There we go. God doesn't share words of knowledge like this for fun. He, share, he shares them because he wants to do something. He, share, he shares these words because he wants to do something. And so we read that scripture at the beginning, or we sing, read the scripture. We sing the song at the beginning that the spirit of God was brooding over the waters, right? The dove, the song. The, the spirit of God was brooding over the waters. And so do you, you know what it means to brood? We have chickens now, and, and every once in a while you'll get a broody hen. You know what they're doing? They're, yeah, chickens. We get a broody hen, and you know what they're doing? They're sitting on the eggs, and they won't get up. Do you know what they're doing? They're expecting to hatch something. They're expecting to create something. And so when the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, it's because he was about to do something. And so nothing's changed. It's the same thing. Why is he giving words of knowledge? Because he wants to do something. It's because he wants to do something. And so the third one is um, sleep. Does anybody here have trouble sleeping? Anybody? All right. So I think stand up. If you tr have trouble sleeping, stand up. Because I think there's more than two. Three, four, five. I want you guys, the trouble sleeping, come on right down here in the front and line up. You guys can start praying. Pray, pray. And so we're going to pray. Um, last night, anybody else, trouble sleeping, come on down. <coughs> trouble sleeping, we're just going to pray. We're going to release some prayers. You're going to sleep good tonight. Last night as I went to sleep, um, there was, my mind was in a perfect place for perfect sleep. You know, sometimes when you go to sleep, you, you can't stop your mind from, from going over things that happened in the day. You just can't stop thinking. I get that once in a while. Or you're, you're tired or you're in pain or this or that or whatever it is. And as I laid down in bed last night, it was the most restful moments before sleep that I've ever experienced in my life. It was actually supernatural. And I went to sleep very quickly. I mean, I only laid in bed for a moment before I, before I, I did fall asleep. But I recognized as I was falling asleep that God was doing something and it was supernatural. And it was just incredible the way that I had fallen asleep. I slept for six hours. We, felt, I went, we went to bed around 10.30. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning, had to use the restroom. And after that, I didn't fall back asleep at 4.30. But in those six hours that I slept, I got 10 hours of sleep. I got the most restful sleep that I've ever had in my life. And it was just supernatural. And I believe that God is doing that for more people here today. I'm going to call the prayer team over here when you guys are done, uh, to, up here to help me pray. But we're just going to pray and we're going to lay hands and believe that God is going to bring supernatural sleep in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Anybody on the prayer team, if you could just jump up here and assist us with prayer.